This morning I want to study with you the the book of Job because of the suffering that we go through because of the need for being faithful uh, people sometimes are not open they don't like for their problems to be aired and that's okay but when you stop and think about all of the suffering and all of the turmoil that people go through there is a time that we need to stop and to think about the steadfastness, the patience, the wonderful teachings of the book of Job. And those of you who are present, uh, you know that you can take it and you can apply it into your life and it will bring a blessing to you. The book of Job can be studied from many many points of view, many standpoints. The great theme of the book is, of course, the problem of suffering. The book struggles with this question, why, why do bad things happen? to good people. Job had everything going for him. He was wise with the wisdom that counts. Chapter 1, verse 1 said there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. He turned away from evil. Verse 5 says that and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, talking about his children. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, you know, Job he had great possessions. And he had a wonderful family. It describes in the second chapter of the book of Job. And when you think about this wonderful family that we all, uh, we take part in this, the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down in, in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And there is none like him in the earth, 
a perfect and upright man, one that fears God, turns away from evil, and still he holds fast his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. So, I don't know about Job. I guess he was early to bed, early to rise, and he was healthy, wealthy, and wise. He, uh, he had all these things going for him, and then they were quickly taken away from him. Now, you just imagine that happening to a man. He lost his wealth. He lost his children. He lost his health. As his friends began to comfort him, he even lost a measure of his wisdom and his ability to, uh, to communicate with people regarding the question of why bad things happen. Why do bad things happen to good people and people like this? Job's friends answered, and they, they said, They don't, Job. Bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Because terrible things have happened to you, Job, you must have been the worst sinner behind these doors, that you have really cut yourself off from people. There must have been some secrets in your life. You just need to repent, Job. That's what's wrong. But their answer was wrong. In chapter 42 and verse 8, they were wrong. God said they were wrong. So we can just say that's a myth. Job's answer was essentially like this. I don't know why, but I could, if I could just talk to God face to face, I'd find out why. I don't deserve this that's happening to me. I don't deserve it. He was struggling with the truth. And he was struggling to find the truth. Why a man that had done what he had done is now suffering. And he hadn't gotten out of line, not one time, as far as he was concerned. He didn't think. Now, if you are looking for easy answers to the questions about suffering, and about bad things happening to you when you're a pretty good fellow or a person, then the book of Job has a message for you. The book of Job has a message for you and for those who follow after. And boil down to just four points, we should say there are reasons why bad things happen to good people. And you can just read it in the first and second chapters. It's because Satan is like a roaring lion going about whom he may devour. And God allows him to touch good people. But we cannot fully under comprehend this. If we cannot understand 
a simple thing like suffering, we need to read chapters 38 through 41 and just see his conclusion that we can't even explain how a snow or hail or the big monsters or how God reached out and put the world on nothing. <laughs> Job couldn't explain any of that. Then how can we, if we can't uh, explain that, how do you think we can explain suffering that comes to humanity when God and Satan are struggling over him as a right to rule and to reign over their lives? Number three, our great need is to trust God. Our great need is to trust God and stay with him no matter what. Look at that 21st verse of the first chapter. Naked came I into the world, and out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The 10th verse of the second chapter, but he said unto her, Thou speakest his wife, as one of the foolish women speaks. What? Shall we receive God? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Well, if we will trust him, in the end and to the end and have steadfastness, everything will turn out right. In the 40th chapter and 12 through 7 and in James 5 and 11, remember, he said, the steadfastness of Job. And the 40th verse, uh, chapter, verses 12 through 7 says essentially the same. Have you ever had bad things happen to you? Have you ever thought that uh, something was wrong in your life? Have you ever said, I am doing what I know to be right and I'm doing things like I ought to do? Then well, we need to study closer this great book. The book of Job can be studied from many, many points of view. But I mean, the book is unique in that it gives behind the scenes a look at some of the workings of the spiritual world. This is what we need to get. Among other things, it tells us a number of things about old Satan. You know, Satan is real. Look at verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along also with them. Now, if you think Satan isn't present in your life and in around you, you just need to open your eyes and just understand that he's there. He's there. And he doesn't respect anybody's person. Satan is, is trying to destroy men. Look at the verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence did you come? Where did you come from? Why, well, he said to uh, 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 I go up and down in the earth, just like old Peter said. He goes about his royal line, seeking whom he made devour. And we're so unaware of that until he overtakes us. 
And he says, walking up and down in the earth. So he's trying to destroy man. Satan is, but here's the third point. Satan is limited. He isn't all-powerful. He isn't necessarily everywhere. <clears throat> he can be. He's in the earth, and he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But he can only do, according to chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, and chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, he just destroyed, tried to destroy, oh, everything he had. Then he came back after he destroyed everything he had and he's still believing in God and holding to God. He said, well, just let me touch his body. Just let me touch his body. He couldn't do it until God gave him the power. And God gave him the power to touch his body. The most interesting here is to see God and Satan working in the same event. God and Satan are working in the same event. Now, let me ask you the question. When you're struggling, all you have to do is give God the reins and he'll win. And you'll win. You don't have to worry. See, it is not sufficient to say that God merely allowed Satan to try Job. All the evils that the Lord hath brought upon him. And the last chapter says that he did bring it upon him. He allowed it to be brought upon him. Well, God was active in all that happened. But he was right there. He believed in Job. He had confidence in Job. He was using Job to teach us a lesson that we have always win with, out with the devil because if we keep trusting in God... It would be inaccurate to say that God and Satan cooperated in Job's tribulation because their purposes were completely different. One was opposite of the other. He wanted to destroy him. God just wanted to make a diamond out of him. Boy, when you understand that God wants to make a diamond and wants to make a jewel out of you, that's a far cry from what old Satan's trying to do is destroy you then you need to enter into the battle. Satan obviously wanted to destroy him. What may not be so obvious is that God wouldn't allow him to destroy him, but he allowed him to do what he wished in order to, to really let Job be purified and sanctified and set apart and show the possibilities of human beings Suffering serves a purpose, brethren. And if we can understand when we're suffering that we are being uh, utilized by God to help us to overcome even more difficult things, whether we can always see the purpose in it, we just may not. But you just need to understand the book begins by noting that Job was righteous. That's all we need to know. We need to know that we're righteous. A blameless man, upright. And uh, uh, he turned to God and he turned away from God. And as the progress goes on, we understand that 
In 32 and verse 2, we start to find what he was trying to do for him. When we get to the end of the book, it is said that Elihu spoke up because Job justified himself before God. In all of our suffering, we want to sort of justify ourselves, live on our own self, live by our own strength. We err. No flesh shall be justified before God. He answered Job, and uh, he asked Job how he would handle the problem of pride, being proud. Job's heart was touched. And at the end, he says, I repent in dust and ashes. Let me tell you, pride, we need to know that pride can get a hold of any of us. I don't care where we are, whether we're an elder or a preacher. Sometimes we get to proud of ourselves. And we get to thinking that we, we're, we're indispensable. But you read about how God dealt with Job. Uh, we're reminded of another time when God and Satan worked in the same event in a man's life. To destroy old Paul. In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verses 7 through and 9, as in the case of Job, God used suffering to combat the problem of pride with old Paul. And Paul later says, There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, a messenger of Satan to buffet me to keep me from exalting myself. Has old Satan touched you? Has he caused you to fall? Has he caused you to do things you shouldn't do? Do you not by yourself? So was Paul and so was Job and so they were written to give us that we have somebody that will help us to overcome the things that come into our life. If we'll only understand that Satan is fighting for your soul to take you to hell forever and ever. You have an image of God that will never die. He wants you to die with him. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness. My weakness. If you have a weakness, just boast about it and say, this has caused me to get closer to God. The power of Christ may dwell in me. That's what Paul said, that Christ may dwell in me. If you don't allow Christ to dwell in you, you're going to lose. It is said that pride is behind all sin. Certain pride is a problem that plagues us all. Romans 1.30, 1 Timothy 6.4, 1 Peter 5 and 5. Just humble yourself in that mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. 1 John 2 and 16, if we try to do what is right, we become proud of the fact that we're doing what is right. And then we fall. If God blesses us in actions and in devotion to Him, it is easy to think, God is blessing me because I am so good and I'm doing this and, and, and look at all what they're doing. And then we walk and we fall. No, Satan gets the best of us. 
we easily slip into the mentality of the Pharisee. God, I thank thee that I am not like other people. Remember that? In Luke 18 and 11. For from time to time we may need some serious trouble to remind us of these truths. Number one, we are not all that great. Number two, we are not self-sufficient. Number three, God does not owe us anything. We owe him love because he first loved us and reached, us to, reached down and took us from old Satan. Number four, we need to trust God and not self. And if one of the things in the book of Job is, it doesn't matter what comes, just trust God. Needs to be remembered. Number five, if we will receive trouble with the right attitude, that's number five. If we will receive trouble with the right attitude, good can come from it. I was talking to a, a husband this week, and oh, he was so well. Oh, everything was wrong. Oh, his family, his wife. And I said, you know, <clears throat> it looks to me like that you're missing one thing. I said, the Spirit of Christ. Well, hold your position in Christ. Oh, he just started criticizing. He started talking about everybody else and everything that happened. I said, what, you didn't hear what I said, did you? No. I, what is your position in Christ? After three or four times, he, find, he said, you mean to tell me that all I have to do is just think about Christ and ask him to help me and, and he'll help me with all this big mess? And I said, I didn't say that. That's what he said. Where is your faith? I said, the great commandment, what was that one? And he said, well, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I said, what was the second? Love other people. I haven't heard anything like it come out of your mouth. You're not doing either one of them. I think he finally got the message. Not all problems that come in our lives are for the purpose of combating pride, but when trouble comes, there might be value in asking, is it possible that the Lord is trying to tell me something? Is it possible that the Lord wants me to dwell with him forever and ever? Is, is it possible for the Lord saying, you're the brightest diamond in my creation. I want to bring you home with me. Is it possible that I have a pride problem? Let me suggest another point of view, which Job can be studied to stimulate a thing. We noted the great theme in the book of Job, why do bad things happen to good people? However, another underlines this theme. One is that it's on its way, it's most basic, will, will men, here's one of the ones I want you to take home with you, will men serve God without a selfish motive. 
When Satan came before God, the Lord asked, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a blameless man. He's upright, he fears God, and he turns away from evil. Satan answered with a sneer in his voice and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? <laughs> You're taking care of him. You're giving him everything he needs. That's the reason he's serving you. Satan suggested that, that Job revered God only because he protected him and he made him wealthy. But if all was taken from Job, said the devil, he, 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 will, he will surely curse thee to your face. Now, after Job destroyed all Job's possession, Job did not curse God. Satan then said in effect, but you haven't let me touch him, you haven't let me touch his body, and if you let me touch his body, he will denounce you and, and he listened to Job, and he let Job take him. He said, a man for his life, a man will, will do anything for his life, and he won't put you before his life. Satan believed that every man has his price. Do you have your price? Even when it comes to serving God, that most of all, if not all of us, we will, God, we will serve God with what we get out of it, our image, uh, the way we uh, affect people and the way we feel about ourselves because we are serving Him, our material wealth, our happiness, our family. Uh, if He stops blessing us, will we turn our backs on God? Job's friends would not have used Satan's terminology uh, if they'd have known it. But they did. They used his terminology. They believed in the philosophy that Satan uh, accused mankind of having. And that's the way they judged old Job. They believed that righteousness is always blessed with material benefit, with health, with wealth, and all those things. That unstated premise was it pays to serve God, pays in ways that you can put in the bank. Now, God has said he blesses the righteous, and I believe that's so. And it pays to serve God. That's true. It pays in ways that, that you can uh, put your finger on and understand. And he has said, God who supplies bread for food and feed for sowing, seed for sowing is able to supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness that you may abound unto every good work. Yeah, that's Bible. That's teaching. But what happens when that doesn't happen to us? Are we going to say, God's against me? No, Satan may be in your life because God's allowing him to to see if you believe God is more powerful than Satan is. Now, God doesn't settle all accounts in October. He doesn't have a physical year or a physical month. He'll let old Satan just turn us around. You know, Job has been raised in the same philosophy that they were talking about. And it was difficult for him to... He, he initially expressed a marvelous attitude, just like they had. 
And he understand, and he worshiped God. And when all of his children had, had gone through their procedures of celebrating and all, he offered up sacrifices to be uh, well-pleasing to God that they might uh, have forgiveness of their sins. And he was, he was righteous. He was doing all those things. Each of us needs to examine our own lives for the motive of, of serving God. It is possible that we follow him for the loaves and the fishes. Do we do his will so we can be happier? Well, that's a part of it. It will come. How better marriages? Sure, it ought to be. Raise better children? It ought to be involved in that. Be able to pay our creditors? All of that ought to be ought to be there, but do we serve God because we think that we couldn't because of that? And what about the person who isn't doing that? And something is interfered. Do we think that it's just because he's not doing that that he may not be? It may not be. The brother that's down may be because Satan has, has won the battle so far. We need to understand that God is working, and that's the reason we're to help people. Or do we serve him because he, it's just the right thing to do? We just serve God because it's the right thing to do. Everything will turn out right. But I'll tell you what, some people serve God when everything is rosy and everything's going right. Because we, we need to serve God because he's God. And because he deserves our allegiance. He's our creator. Even if we've been slapped around by old Satan in many ways, we still need to honor and revere God and say, God will bring me out of this. And I'm going to worship God. To put it another way, what if nothing seems to go right in your life? What if tragedy strikes? What if we hold that which is precious uh, uh, in our arms and it's taken from us? But we still serve God? Don't get me wrong. The Christian life is the best way to live. The best way a person can live. It does bring happiness and contentment and peace that the world cannot give. Living a Christian life can enhance our marriages. It can help our relationships with everyone. But these should not be the reasons why we fellowship and have a relationship with God. It should be because we know he's God. And when we're suffering from sores all over us, and our wife has said, curse God and die, and our friends have said we're big sinners, that we still worship God. That's what, that's what Job did. Even though he became filled with pride in some of this, and then he repented. And then God said, you help your three friends, because they're big sinners. It took Job a long time to realize this. It took him a whole book. 
answered finally, he said to God, I know that thou canst do all things. Listen to his word. I know that thou canst do all things and that no purpose of thine can be changed or interfered with. Oh, what a wonderful thing. And did you know, I now fully realize that you are God. And I bow before you for that reason and no other reason. I give you how excellent is thy name in all the earth. How beautiful beyond description, as the song says. I stand in awe of thee. I stand in awe. I stand in awe. I stand in awe of thee. God gave him back the same number of daughters, children that he had. He gave him back. He doubled all the wealth that he'd taken from him. And we have the book. What a wonderful message to us today. I don't know how it applies to you, but surely it applies. And surely you can get closer to God because you know the reason why? God has come in the flesh and he's given you the body of the Lord Jesus Christ to claim. And most of us have... have believed in him and repented of our sins and been baptized into his body. And yet we need to claim his body. His body is his people and his pre in his presence. And if you haven't claimed that, you need to confess it. Repent of your sins and be baptized as we stand together and say.